Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. How you going, Nick? Great. Good to be here with you. 37 years in business. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's quite a long time. Yeah, no, we've got some interesting topics to talk about today, Nick. But before we get there, just remind our listeners, Stuart Group, what are you guys all about? We're a financial planning business at our core. We help people out with their investments, mm-hmm. and goals-based planning, uh, their insurances, their KiwiSaver, their retirement planning. But, you know, it's all pulled together on based on their goals and objectives and what they want to achieve. Who can come and see you, Nick? Anybody can come and see us. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody. Anybody that wants to get ahead, anyone that's got a plan, you know, they they might want to revisit their current plan, they might want to build a plan. We're really good at helping people. Yes, you are. I can, I can speak for that from a personal point of view. <laughs> now, we've got a couple of fascinating articles we want to talk about today. And uh, one which I agree with the sentiment entirely is the grass isn't always greener. Tell us all about that, Nick. Well, we had the we, we had the leader of the opposition, Chris Luxon. He ruffled some feathers recently with the comment that you know New Zealand's become a a negative, wet, whiny, inward-looking country. And yep, and you know, there's you know some people would say that you know that resonates well across the community mm-hmm. at the current time because you know some of it you know we can be a little bit inward thinking. But it's interesting when you when and I've just been doing some travelling, which we can talk about shortly. But on a lot of the countries that I went to. If you read all of the articles and the headlines and you remove the country of the the jurisdiction I was in and you put in New Zealand, they are suffering exactly the same things that we are. A cost of living crisis, um, long queues for getting to – for any um, surgery, the inability to find a GP – Poor attendance at school, house price declines, record level interest rates, you know, in this current generation. All of those things were all across all these other countries. And uh, part of your article that I read was that uh, we're, are we less happy in New Zealand to the rest of the world or is the rest of the world saying, oh, they're happier over there? I mean, New Zealand is at a point of vulnerability at the moment where yeah, we are a little bit unhappy, and there's actually a there's a thing called a misery index. It's Hank's <laughs> annual misery index, and um, yeah, you know, we at the moment are the unhappiest we've been since late 2019. The issue is, is that it's actually we are declining every quarter. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that are we at the bottom? Likelihood is when you look at the trend. No, we're probably going to get a little bit more unhappy from here. Are we in a global recession, Nick, or is this recession unique to us? I, I heard a commentator okay, this morning yeah. saying it's a double dip recession. Okay, yeah, okay. So the first thing is we are the only country of our major trading partners because it's always key. Like I can find you and I can, you know, 
skew the data and I can find something that backs up any argument you want if you broaden the data series long enough. However, if we look at just our major um, trading partners, we are the only one that's in recession. Mm -hmm. Some have had one quarter of negative growth, but we've had two. That is a recession. The fact is you mentioned the possibility of a double dip recession, and the fact is that a couple of economists, and it's been in the last week, have said, yes, we will have a slight blip up in this quarter, which the data will be released shortly, because remember, it's always three months stale in New Zealand. Other countries, they get theirs out every month, ours is every three months. So anyway, that aside, we'll likely see a blip up, a positive movement in our uh, GDP, Mm -hmm. gross domestic product. But then after that, we're likely to enter a period of shallow recession again. So that is your double dip recession. Our economy is quite unique at the moment, though, isn't it? Because not only have one, we've had COVID, as has the rest yes. of the world, but we've also had that massive cyclone. Yeah, we did. Yeah, the cyclone. I mean, to be honest, I, I don't, don't mean to sound so down about it, but I think I would rather have a cyclone than have COVID. Mm-hmm. Because you got to remember with the cyclone, it's a huge negative event. It has um, a massive negative impact on businesses, on the economy, on mental health. Mm-hmm. But then you have the bounce coming out of that, and that is in the form of the central government, local government, and the insurance stimulus. Whereas you think about it with COVID, yes, we had local um, and central government stimulus, but we had no insurance payments. No. So we're about to enter a period in Hawke's Bay where we're very different than other regions, where we're going to have a massive fiscal stimulus that's going to come in as a result of the cyclone. Whereas going back to COVID, that was just a massive hangover. Yeah. You've got your ear to the ground on a, in a financial world. How long before the light at the end of the tunnel gets a bit brighter? Well, a lot of people are saying, you know, we've got an election in 30 days' time and it's going to be a lot brighter because I'm going to exercise my vote, my democratic right. And I'm like, yep, bravo, good on you for voting. But remember that just because someone has given the keys to the car, I mean, it takes an incredibly long time for a government to enact change. So mm. let's say we have a clear mandate is given to um, either the incumbent to stay in or a new, co- a new coalition with a change of direction, change of mandate to take it forward. Well, they won't actually start doing things in reality until the new year because they may have to have uh, pro- protracted coalition negotiations, as we've seen in yes, other countries indeed. with MMP, where it can take months to cobble together a coalition. Sometimes, actually, Ken, they can't. Mm. It's not happened in New Zealand. But one day it will, and that's where you cannot... And you have to go back to the country. So yeah. you have to go back to the polls again. You have to go back and have another general election. So what I'm getting at, it's like turning an aircraft carrier. Or you know, you're given the set of keys to the car, but it doesn't mean your journey's complete. The journey is just starting. So sorry for the long-winded story, but it may take 18 months for us to turn the aircraft carrier around and for things to normalise and for people to feel that they are getting ahead. When you look at the stats, Nick, a lot of people are heading back towards the lucky country, Australia. Mm. Is it that lucky? I mean, are we the sinking ship that they're making us out to be? The media love to play this. It's quite polarising because Mm. it's a little bit like, let's look at the wallabies, let's use the analogy of the wallabies versus the all blacks. Now, there was a period of time when I was uh, at high school in the 1990s where the all blacks had a really patchy period Mm. and the wallabies were 
pretty bloody good. Yes, they were they were doing really well. You know, the Campisi era, mm-hmm. um, and we were in a period of transition, and it was we weren't doing so well. And of course, the media used to like to say, you know, the Wallabies are going to dominate us, and um, they might as well just lock up the Bledisloe in a box in Australia because we're never going to get it back. And the days of New Zealand rugby are over. And then, hello, you know, six or seven years later. Here, here is set in the worst rot the Wallabies have had. <laughs> they were defeated yesterday by Fiji. By Fiji. Yeah. Oh, the great, great game, by the way. But, but anyway, so look, um, there will always be periods of time where people move to Australia, and there'll be periods of time when people move back to New Zealand. At the moment, they are just doing better than us. They're a little bit more stable than us. They didn't have that really long tail of COVID that we did. And they opened their country up to the world a lot quicker than we did. Mm. Also, you know, they are a major commodity player. Yes, indeed. But the commodities that they have haven't had the same chilling wins that ours have. I mean, if you think, you know, we export uh, amazing protein in the form of, of meat. We send a lot of dairy products globally. Well, the price of those, those that at the moment are in um, sheep and beef mm. and in um, dairy, their current costs of production are more than what they earn. Yeah. Whereas in Australia at the moment, the costs of those boxed earth that they send overseas in the form of um, you know, iron ore and coal, yeah. well, they're still making a lot of money. It's, extre- it's, yeah, it's extremely profitable. Yes. Ours at the moment, unfortunately, our commodities are just not the ones that you want today. But you know what? That will not always be the case, and it will change. Yeah, absolutely. Great quote or proverb that you put in your article. Tell us about that. I love it. The Swedish one. Oh, the Swedish one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, indeed. Just so it's a, it's because it, look, I've just been to Sweden on as part of a global tour that we'll talk about shortly. But there's a really cool quote that the Swedes use, and that is in spring. No one thinks of the snow that fell last year. And it's so true, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, here we are. You know, it was only, well, in the previous government, we had a massive influx of New Zealanders coming back uh, to New Zealand under that kind of the, uh, under the John Key era. And yet now, people are bemoaning the fact that so many people are leaving. And it's like, but don't you remember we brought a whole lot of people back? Yeah. And then now a whole lot of people are leaving. People do forget that it's incredibly seasonal. And the other thing, it can change very quickly. I mean, you may recall that during the um, that COVID era, and during the Ardern administration, all of a sudden, at the click of, a, at click of your fingers, a lot, and I'm talking tens of thousands of Kiwis, wanted to come home. Yeah, absolutely. It not been seen before. Because normally it's, a, it's like watching a glacier move, whereas that one was extremely fast. But, you know, these, these things tend to be very seasonal. That's right, and it's going to be fish and ship paper before we know it. Aye. Yep. We segue into our next topic, which is paradoxes and the pursuit of happiness. Well, we all want to be happy, don't we? Yeah, we do. It's, But the thing is, a lot of people find it, and, and this is the paradox, is that there are practical difficulties in pursuing both happiness and pleasure. And a lot of people really, really struggle between the two. So in other words, if they're thinking about, a lot of people have when they're setting their goals, they have a dollar figure in mind, but a dollar figure is not a goal. So why, I mean, Ken, you know, why would you need a million dollars? Yeah. Well, you know, you could articulate to me exactly why you need the million dollars. Mm-hmm. But if you couldn't tell me why, and it was just because the number makes you feel good, yeah. well, then 
it's likelihood the likelihood is that you are pursuing something that you believe will give you pleasure but in reality will not give you happiness because the other aspect is if ever since you were a child you wanted a million dollars now dare I say it inflation mm-hmm. will, the Grinch will come and steal every night money yep. from your wallet uh, and that is inflation. So the million dollars that you set when you were a child that you wanted, the million dollars is not worth what it is by the time you t- hit 65. Oh, of course. So therefore, because you haven't articulated your goals and you've just had a dollar figure, unfortunately, you feel that you're going to get the pleasure. You've got the million dollars in the bank or in your investments, but unfortunately, you are not deriving the happiness because you're actually unable to achieve what you ever yeah. thought you could. And I suppose we were talking about it at home the other night, and uh, when you think about it, it's true, but it's just uh, reinforcing what you said there, that most of the people that we know in our immediate circle of friends, we're all millionaires, yeah. because our houses are worth damn near a million dollars. Yeah, they are. And uh, so, but, you know, if everyone else is a millionaire, we, we really do need that $5 million, don't we, to, we do. to realise that dream we had when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, correct. But, but it's also, it comes back to... Um, so let me take a step back and that's say that we deal with people that have a $10 million balance sheet of assets, mm. great income, but they're unhappy. Yeah. We have other people that have a million dollar balance sheet, a tenth of the other, and they are very happy. Mm. Now, so this is the paradox. And that is that just because you have a lot of wealth or a lot of income doesn't necessarily no. mean that you're going to be more fulfilled and more happy. No. Because some people, and I just wrote a note here, it's like called the hungry ghost. Yeah. And that is, like, you and I will be fulfilled after a meal, whereas the hungry ghost, no matter how many meals it consumes, it will never feel fulfilled no. or never feel fulfilled. So the idea is that, you know, you want to define your goals because once you define your goals, you can then ring fence a number and amount to achieve those goals, mm. but not if you flip it around the other way. No. I'd rather be rich and unhappy, though, than poor and unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, here's, here's the other thing, and that is that what is real wealth? And exactly. real wealth is real wealth is actually income, not assets. And the other thing, real wealth is health. Yes. So if, if you ask any individual who's had any form of material health issue, that is the number one priority in their life, sure. well, well above wealth. But, it, but I love the original definition of wealth. And that is not about money. Someone who was wealthy was endowed with good health, a happy family life, a fulfilling existence. Mm. That was a wealthy individual. Can we make economy a self-fulfilling prophecy? So if we're thinking doom and gloom all the time, that's what it's going to be, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, look, look, and and we are going to have a little bit of that. But I would also say that whilst it's self-fulfilling, we also have been spending more than we earn for quite a period of time, mm-hmm. both um, at a consumer level, so in terms of the private sector, um, but certainly in the form of the government. I mean, the government, over a period of uh, now six years, our debt as a nation has increased by 172%. Yeah. Like, you just cannot continue to spend more than you earn and borrow to consume. So the fact is that Whilst, yep, this will be a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy happening at the moment with the negativity on negativity, it's basically a little bit of a reset. Yeah. Um, because what we have been doing in the last few years, you know, we were borrowing with very, very low interest rates. It was stimulating the, stimulating the economy uh, to a level that was 
we couldn't continue to do it for the long right. term. Hence, we had inflation. Central bank, the central bank had to increase the interest rates to cool inflation, and you know we're you know that is the medicine. Yeah. And unfortunately, there is no quick fix solution. I suppose the current government though was damned if they did and damned if they didn't. Um, I would, I think any government and not just ours. But you know, any government overseas that many of them have got the same thing. Sweden has the same issue. Mm-hmm. They stimulated their economy, they pumped it a little too hard, and now they're suffering with higher than average interest rates, and people are, are hurting, and there's a slight contraction as a result. I am sure that any of them, when they look in the mirror and have that period of self-reflection, they would wish they hadn't stimulated the economy as much yeah. as they did. Now, before we talk about your trip, yes. um, just... I suppose in a hundred words or less, people who are now getting a little bit nervous because you know the word is that the we're not out of recession. It's going to be harder times ahead. Yes. Um, what should they be looking at, uh, Nick, when they're looking at um, investing or not? The first thing I'd say is kind of get a warrant of fitness, seek advice and validation on the current structure you've got, because many people actually, if they just hunker down and leave their investments alone. Things will be just fine. Yeah. There are others that there may be optimization that can be made to their current saving strategy or their decumulation strategy. Those are drawing down from investments during retirement. There are things, you know, like in America's, America's Cup boat, you can make small incremental changes to the boat to make it go faster. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to cost you any more money. Mm. You're just sweating the asset. You're getting more from it. It's a better engine. It's optimized. So there's that. But then there's the other one of um, the fact that some people are going to have to make decisions. And the best thing is to make a decision early and not late. Because when you make a decision early, you make it from the position of power and strength. It is your decision. Mm. Whereas when you make a decision when you're forced to do it, yeah. e.g. a mortgagee sale, you have lost control. You've lost the initiative. Sure. Now, you're just back from the Global Association of Independent Advisors Conference and Study Tour. That's a mouthful. Uh, it is, yeah. yeah. We, we just affectionately call it Gaia. Yeah. <laughs> tell, um, us, tell us about Gaia. Yeah, yeah so, so Gaia, it was a, originally a study group that a number of us um, from Australasia founded in 2003. We then incorporated it into uh, an association, and we headquartered that out of uh, Switzerland because of the um, trademark. It's much easier to have an association trademark out of Switzerland rather than, say, out of New Zealand, Australia, or the United States. So it's it's, that's why we did that. It's worked really well. So this particular trip um, was a study tour of wealth management firms and private banks in Berlin, Munich, and Stockholm, followed by a conference in Stockholm for three days where uh, speakers from the United Kingdom and from the um, Stockholm University came in and gave us updates on pertinent things that we can bring back and to give our clients mm. a better experience. Yeah. Did you feel uplifted at the end of the conference? Mate, it was awesome. It was really, really good. Look, uh, you know, after the kind of COVID, you know, a lot of people have gone to doing things like Zoom meetings. But look, getting together and actually having a chat, having a chat and breaking bread together mm. at the end of the day, yeah. you pick up so much by just chatting with people about ideas and concepts. Mm. And there are some really, really clever people out there. And look. New Zealanders, number eight, why folk, we're really good. We are, we're a pioneering nation, but we can be really isolated here. Yeah. We're in, you know, we're at the bottom of the Pacific. One of the, we are one of the last 
nations on the planet to be found. Yeah. Or like the, <laughs> two, or effectively, two large islands at the bottom of the world. Yes. Indeed. And um, so, so, yeah, look, re- uh, really powerful. And, you know, a lot of the ideas that I, over the last uh, 23 years in business, and my father, over 37 years uh, at Stuart Group, many of the ideas that we have found, developed, and nurtured, and have been really successful for us in giving clients a better outcome, a better experience, have come from things we have gleaned and gathered and been so grateful that they were shared with us by, you know, prophets from a faraway land. Absolutely. Now you've got a personal story you want to share. Yeah, it was really interesting because of course when you're on a when you're on a study tour and you know, you know, you leave New Zealand and you're away for a period of like fourteen or sixteen days. And in fact I was away for 16 days, but my bags were 19 days. So <laughs> the bags had an extra three days, the extra three days in Singapore. Um, but you got to remember, you know, when you're traveling, a lot of, you know, firms aren't open on a weekend. Um, and a lot of conferences don't go over the weekend. So I had some free time. And when I was in Berlin, I had some time to walk around and have a look at a few things because it happened to bridge um, one day, bridge the weekend. And we've got a, a relative through marriage who was a, a, a brigadier general in the German Wehrmacht, so he was a, you know in the First World War and the Second World War, Iron Cross recipient, first and second class, both wars, and won a, an award called the German a Gold Star, which was looks a little bit like a fried egg, so it had the nickname <laughs> the fried egg. Anyway, he disappeared at the end of the war, as in you know he was one of those MIAs missing in action, mm. so he'd be, he died, but no one really knew. And I was sitting one night with my iPad, and the the translator from German to English was just working like like I've not seen it work so well before. Anyway, I did some sleuthing that night. I found out what happened to him, where he was captured, where he was executed because they, 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 he was shot, and then where the body was dumped. So I went there in the morning in a cab. The place he was actually held happened to be the Stasi headquarters. Mm-hmm. That was that was a place you did not want to go. And then after a little bit of sleuthing, I was able to find where the communal grave was, which was a 15-minute walk through an industrial area of you know what was East Berlin back in the day. Mm. And it was, um, mate, it was surreal. I wrote to the Red Cross to find out what happened to this mm. guy. They couldn't tell me. But I was able to find it just the other day. Incredible. Yeah, amazing. So, um, yeah, it's just really unfortunate that um, my great-aunt, who's long since passed that I wasn't able to tell her what happened, to, what happened to what happened to her dad. She would have been really grateful. Technology is amazing, isn't it? Mate, it's surreal. You're like sitting the, in your hotel room and you did all that. Yeah. It just it That's just incredible. it just popped up and told me it told me where to go. Yeah. Um and then I went on to this you know, I went to this address and the Stasi headquarters and um you know and it just the translation tool was there again. It must just, be sobering just to be in that Stasi environment i bought a ticket to go in and when i asked them about you know what this looked like in you know the second of may 1945 and they said well look sir this was this became the stasi headquarters for like berlin and it was so everything you see with a red brick it was the original meatworks Mm. so can you imagine they used a meatworks as a Mm. torch a place of torture Mm. So the meatworks was there, and then above that was another three stories added, and that was in very East Berlin Soviet-style architecture. Mm. So I was able to see that. I bought a ticket, and to be honest, the place had such a bad vibe, I didn't even go in. No. I was like, like, I, like, I've read about what they did in there to people. Yeah, and so uh, it was pretty 
pretty pretty spooky place um when i got a because when i got a cab and i said to the guy this is the street address i want to go to i believe it's in a residential area and the guy goes i i know where you're going i know where you want to go and i said oh why because it's in the middle of nowhere he said that's a really bad place (laughs) he said that's where the political prisoners went and yeah so but i had no idea because i was just it was just an address of course special camp number three It doesn't even bear thinking about it, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. Now, no. if you want to get some good information about our finances, Nick, where do we get it? Um, you can get it at 204 Katamu Road in Hastings. That's the black basalt stone building with the tartan logo. Uh-huh.